is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. This is the ghost of 80s Revisited. We're back again, two weeks in a row, fuckers. <laughs> Hi, everybody on YouTube Hi. and everybody listening tomorrow to the 80s Revisited podcast, the latest and greatest right. episode with your host with the most, babe, <laughs> Tradle Juice Harris. Tradle Juice. Because <laughs> there's no character I want to be associated with in this film. With me, as always, my producer, the living dead to my city of Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And today we're going to briefly talk about 1983, in the U.S. <laughs> at least, the release of City of the Living Dead slash The Gates of Hell. This is available on YouTube. Go check it out. For free. For or not. free or not. This Maybe is. Listen to this first. Yeah. Then, then you'll know. Then make your decision if you want to spend your time on it. That's right. Uh, anyway, uh, good to be back two weeks in a row. Joshua Carr, good firefighter friend. Shout out to the boys yeah. in red. Do they call y'all that? You know, you get the boys in blue, or y'all called the boys in red. Is this what happens? Or the boys no in black? <laughs> yeah, so we're getting chat up, and Josh says, is this what happens with no edits? <laughs> Even bloopers. That's right. We're doing it live. <laughs> we're doing it live. We like live. In fact, all of our, yeah, every episode of 80s Revisited you ever heard has been live, uncut. Like Except we one. The highlight show. That was it. Right. right. But duh. That was because duh. Trey took time off. That was a long time ago. Like we just took like a week off. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. Six we months. We needed something. But yeah. But anyway, good to be back. Glad to keep it going. Two weeks in a row. A new record. I know. For the rebirth of 80s Revisited. Yeah. Uh, but again, today we're going to talk about City of the Living Dead slash The Gates of Hell. May 6, 1983 in the United States. However, it did release three years earlier on August 11th. In Italia, my homeland, uh, IMDb gives it a 6.3 for some reason. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 55% critics, and also, same as last week with Jason Goes to Hell. I mean, uh, Jason Goes to Hell. Jason Lives, Jason uh, 55% audience, so it matches, uh, both of them matched. And it is on Prime as well, if you want to watch it on YouTube, because I know most people have Amazon Prime. Yeah. So if you want to watch this in HD, it's on Amazon Prime. It's bad on here. I just thought of, I was laughing because... They just did the that '70s show shot oh, yeah. at the table. <laughs> exactly. That's not a problem with this film, but we'll get into it in a second. Okay. Uh, couldn't find any info on the budget, opening, domestic gross, worldwide, or the rentals. However, this is definitely falls into that category of cult film. Uh, this is one of those films that is perfect for the background at your Halloween party, where you have the audio. You're playing Halloween music, but you're watching. This is on the screen. Yeah. That's exactly right, Miss Melissa. He may still have gone to hell, but he... Oh, yeah, I forgot. First, he looked... Yeah, so... On a podcast. We're recording a podcast, so people can't see what uh, is being said in chat. But if you want to participate in that chat, go over to YouTube.com, search 80s Revisited Podcast, and I'm sure that'll show the channel. Subscribe, because we need like 100 subscribers to have the name. Something like that. I think that's still a thing. We'll see. Go check it out. We'll get there. We'll get there, huh? You know? Uh, anyway, directed by Lucio Falci, also known as the Godfather of Gore. Now, he's most notable for making the zombie films, Z-O-M-B-I, or when they come out over here, Z-O-M. You know, it has multiple spellings. All of these movies that he's done, mm -hmm. except for maybe The Beyond, uh, has two or three different names when they come over to the U.S. Uh, and everything. So, But uh, Zombie 1 through 3, so just so everybody's educated for you non-horror fans, fams, 
which is what I call our listeners and viewers now. Not I didn't mean to misspeak, but that's what y'all are, our fams. Uh, <laughs> good cover, Trey. Yeah. Uh, it's an in, they're in-name sequels in, only to George A. Romero's, of course, classic uh, uh, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, uh, Diary of the Dead, Survival of the Dead, Land of the Dead. I think I'm missing one in there because it got a little out of hand there at the end. But uh, uh, hmm. Land was great, though. Dennis Hopper... Rest in peace. Still great. There's a lot but, of rest uh, in peace when it comes to these movies. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Survival of the Dead? Did yeah, I think I, I thought I mentioned that one. Maybe I didn't. Oh, Diary. Uh, oh, I guess I got them all. I thought there was another one up in there somewhere, but... Nailed it. Yeah. Good. I, I still got it! But uh, anyway, so he... Because, uh, in fact, I believe he wanted to call this uh, City of the Living Dead slash The Gates of Hell. He wanted to call it, um, like, Twilight of the Dead. And then he got a... Pretty much a real quick cease and desist letter from George Romero said, nah, bro, you can't do that. That's interesting, because so, you think it wouldn't be close enough. Like, I bet you could fight that. Yeah, nowadays you could, because you have yeah. Transmorphers, and instead of United 93, you have Flight 93. Right. Although, one, you know, slightly, uh, one different word that apparently is completely legal to do, yeah. to get away with something these days. However, then, apparently not. Apparently actually had some... Sort of like logic, like, nah, you're ripping this off. You're not going to do this. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Fulci in his own right, you know, Romero is a legend. Fantastic. Well, yeah, a fantastic director. I'd agree with that. Um, he has some stinkers, I'd say. Uh, his original version of The Crazies, to me, is not as good as the remake. Speaking of remakes, more on a great one later. Especially if you follow us on Instagram, 80s underscore visited. little tease for this episode about a remake that recently came out that I actually liked. But, what? Uh, no, and well, honestly, in, term, in terms of Romero films, speaking of remakes, or on the subject, uh, you know, you had Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, great remake. Mm-hmm. You had, and he, The Crazies was remade with uh, Timothy Oliphant, and I'm not sure who directed that one, but great remake. I personally thought it was better than the original by far, but uh, that's just me. Uh, but anyway, uh, go back to Fulci because this is his episode, not Romero's. Mr. Romero is next week when we talk about. Uh, his piece de resistance, his Next own personal favorite. Thank you, thank you, Jesse. Because <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Zombie apocalypse could happen. Right. right, be happening right now. We're just podcasting, and all y'all are running through the streets screaming because the dead are walking. We like to think next week, but yeah, but who knows? Grant assault, everybody. Just <laughs> just for a little bit longer. But anyway, uh, Fulci again. His nickname is the Godfather of Gore. Watch this film; you'll see why. There are maggots eating fetuses. There's a woman who vomits her entrails out of her mouth. Uh, all sorts of uh, scalps getting ripped off, heads getting like, you know, not Savini type stuff where, uh, you know, it's, I don't know, a little more production to it, if that makes sense. This is the scene. This woman. Now, you'll notice as we're watching it, in that last scene, that woman's actually like spitting it up. But then, it, you know, as you'll see, it quickly goes to the fake head. And like the pump pushing it out like projectile. Right, right. So which again, I love that effect because they don't do it like that anymore. It's all nowadays it's all CG. And that's creepy as fuck. That, sure. You know, that's the message across. Yeah, this movie is you know, I on it I'll be absolutely honest with everybody out there. I've seen this movie four or five times. I s there's the fake head. Uh, <laughs> but again, it's an eighties movie. To me, it still works. It's cutting uh, in between. <laughs> Well, he's like making her do it. Like that's the whole like that's the dead priest. Like basically, like that's like it comes. It, there's a callback to that later when he tries to do it, and then the dude's whose hair doesn't even match gets his brain ripped out. So great Uh-oh. gore effects. Like I said again, Fulci, the Godfather of gore. You know this movie especially doesn't make sense. And uh, you know, not talking anything bad about Fulci, he's, he's a legend. 
Uh, of course, Zombie 2, which was not made in the 80s, unfortunately, so we couldn't do it for Halloween Horror last year with all the zombie films. But Zombie 2 is probably his most famous work because that's the one that features uh, the zombie fighting a tiger shark underwater. Uh, of course, this is the 70s, so it's literally a dude in zombie makeup fighting a tiger shark. And also that one has probably, we talked about scenes that not, that were scary last week. Uh, not Well, not scary, definitely like, ooh, one of those kind of scenes where a woman slowly gets pulled by a zombie onto a splinter, like, into her eye. And again, fantastic gore effects, on par with Savini, I'd say, uh, especially for their time, on par with Savini. That's not, that's not it, is it? That's it. Oh, that is it? That's literally the movie. The zombie's attacking a shark and takes a big chunk out of it. So that's huh. that's what Zombie 2 is famous for. Pretty much this scene. Round 2, bitch. Fight! Or, well, of course, sorry, podcast they, listeners. They, they switched to the, uh, the fake shark here. <laughs> <laughs> well, from what I, I understand... It, though. No, from, from what I understand, it's... Uh, again, we obviously didn't cover this episode on this one because it's not in our decade... But uh, from what I understand, apparently this the guy in the zombie costume claims that he has this shark trained. Uh, this is a wild tiger shark. I'm no, not buying it. No. However, he believed in himself enough to where, as you're watching, he puts its, his hand in its mouth. Wow. And it's a live, fully breathed, like, there you go. His hand is in that tiger shark's mouth. And he's just in zombie makeup. So, maybe he's the shark whisperer. I don't know. But... Anyway, City of the Living Dead. If, if you like this film, or you know, <laughs> Zombie Two is another great one. Put you know, basically, if if you if you're having a Halloween party and you got a projector and you're just projecting horror movie scenes, just yeah. put on Fulci because it's gonna have a whole bunch of gore and some crazy shit is going to happen. Yeah, and it, it it the atmosphere is there. He's great at atmosphere. His film, you know, horror films. Excuse me, like a uh, Rob Zombie. Every single Rob Zombie film, keeping it timely, because Three from Hell is out like right now. It's out in theaters, like, literally right now and tomorrow, and I think Saturday, and then it's on Blu-ray next month. Oh. So, you know, it's a limited release. It's going to quickly get pulled. <laughs> yeah. Again, if you're a veteran of the podcast, you know my thoughts on Rob Zombie, but if you're not, he doesn't need to direct direct and write. That's my bottom line with him. I think he's a great director. He shouldn't direct his, um, uh, shouldn't direct something that he writes or cast his wife in anything. Uh, that's my five-second opinion of Rob Zombie. But anyway, uh, similar to Zombie, like like Devil's Rejects, great film, probably his best in my opinion, that and Lords of Salem. Not that that's saying much, saying it's the best Rob Zombie film. But you know what? I heard a, uh, on uh, Shudder, free plug to Shudder, sponsor our podcast, Shudder, give us some free subscriptions at least. <laughs> uh, there's a series that originally aired on AMC, was Eli Roth's History of Horror. Eli Roth, I'd put him in the same category as Rob Zombie. I don't dislike, I think he has talent, but it's not used to the best of his ability what, or anything because I think uh, you know the whole torture porn thing that's not that's not my bag man uh, been careful the hostels uh, but anyway on there he's interviewed Stephen King the legendary Stephen King and uh, Stephen King had a great quote he said even the worst horror film that he ever saw was still fucking awesome completely agree hmm. you know these movies spoiler alert for the score they're not going to be getting Oscars or any like high ratings on this podcast even but they're still like I said I've seen this film like four or five times probably at least five or six to be honest with it original original Shutter. oh I was just looking up things you were talking about anyway gotcha sorry moving on but yeah uh, anyway so Fulci also like I said he had Zombie 1 through 3 did the Beyond he had a really big rivalry in terms of like you know Getting, you know, artistically doing films with another Italian juggernaut of the time, Dario Argento. Uh, and unfortunately, Mr. Fulci fat passed away in 96. So 
Uh, Fulci also wrote this film with Dardano Sachetti. Uh, they also wrote Sharks, comma, or in parentheses, Devilfish, Thunder, and in, in 1990, The Bronx Warriors. So we got a couple of fucking Shakespeare's here, people. <laughs> uh, of course not. Uh, cinematography, Sergio Salvati. He also did The Beyond, which uh, probably one of Fulci's best. It's actually a coherent movie. Again, there is a plot in City Limited. I'm giving it a little bit of a hard time, but it's just not a very good one to me. But The Beyond uh, is a much better film in terms of story and all that kind of stuff as opposed to this one, in my opinion. Although, and I, according to IMDb, they agree by 0.5% or 0.5 points, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but anyway, uh, also... Uh, what's that? 6.8? Mm-hmm. This one's a 6.3. Ben Wyatt. <laughs> <laughs> Just dropped into our chat, folks. No, I mean, there's another Friday the 13th in December this year, so you know there'd at least be one, there'd guaranteed be one more before 2020. Yeah, Ben Wyatt says it must be 2020 already, I guess referring to the fact that there's another episode. That there's an episode, yes. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Good to see you, Ben, or literally see what you type, Ben, not literally see you. Right. Maybe one day when you get over to the Maybe States or, you know, my Save daughter grows up and I win the lottery and get to go to Australia like I always wanted to go. Visit Tasmania. Visit Tasmania. Sing that to Violet, too. Me and Jess were talking about things I was singing to my daughter. Because, you know, like, Autumn puts her to bed and she sings, Twinkle, twinkle, little star. All the classics, I guess, in nursery rhymes. Like, meanwhile, I'm singing, you know, Bonnie James Dio and cartoon theme songs and something else, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> but anyway, so this film stars uh, Christopher George. Uh, Never trust a person with two first names. I've said that before on the podcast. Uh, Peter, as Peter, who's also in Graduation Day. Into the Ninja, not... The Die Inward song uh, of a movie. Aye, aye, aye. He was on lots of lots of TV. Catriona uh, McCall. She was Mary. She was in A Good Year, Lady Oscar, and The Beyond. Such as a Fulci reference. Enjoy your work, Dave. Uh, let me see. Carlo De Mejo or Mejo. Not sure how you pronounce it. I apologize. Was Jerry? Uh, he was in Woman's Prison Massacre and The Dead Are Alive. Uh, the first one sounds pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. No, just kidding. Uh, Antonia uh, Antonella Intergregi. Sorry if I butchered that name. I apologize. It was I think Emily. That was perfect. Thank you. I mean, I am twenty. I am a quarter Italian, so part of it should at least be somewhat 25% correct. Correct. At least. At least. At least. <laughs> uh, she was in Giant of the Twentieth Century and Under Siege, oh. not the Steven Seagal oh, action classic so with hopeful. Tommy Lee Jones that ends with a knife fight. Uh, the 1980 version of Under Siege, which, hey, we can do that one on the podcast. Wow. Uh, Giovanni Lombardo Radici was Bob. He was also in The Omen, a horror classic, which once you actually have a child and watch The Omen, that's a way more fucked up movie. That's one of those films that, uh, like, Mother, uh, oh, what's his name? Afronovsky's mother. Uh, Certain films that you watch and like, oh, that's that's kind of brutal. But then when you actually have a child and you have that bond with another living creature that you can only have by creating it like Dr. Frankenstein, uh, you watch something like that, you're like, oh, oh, shit, that's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> so, so if you haven't seen The Omen, a great 70s film, not that's the remake. Oh, right. Yeah, not, not the 2006 one. Well, he one. was also in it. Oh, wait, was that, is that the one I'm thinking of? Never mind. He wasn't in the original Omen. What's the original year? Uh, the original Omen was in 70-something. Oh, yeah. He definitely was not in the original. Oh, I didn't put the date on there. My mistake. So he was in the remake. Yeah. So he played in a lot of sucky shit. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so he was obviously in there because of his tie to this film, I imagine, the Fulci connection. Sure. Uh, and then Daniela Doria was Rosie. She was also in the New York Ripper and the Black Cat. 
great picture on IMDb of her getting a knife through the mouth or something. <laughs> Can't even see her face. Like, I have no clue what this woman looks like. Yeah. It's just a very awkward... Just a knife through the face right there. I mean, there, there was no better picture of this young lady to put for her IMDb profile picture? Nope. And apparently she doesn't give a shit because it has no info about her. <laughs> it's one of like, she, she probably doesn't even know that she has an IMDb profile or she's dead. Uh, I don't know. Just saying. Don't know. She hasn't been anything since 1982. Yep. Yep. Retired or dead. One of those. One of the, I don't think there's another one in there. But anyway, uh, Jesse, have you ever seen City of the Living Dead, a.k.a. The Gates of Hell? I have not. You've seen a good bit of it today, though. I kind of have. You've I've seen, seen the as points. much as the stream has. So you, you've seen the high points in terms of like what this film is known for. Sure. Again, the plot is just like, I mean, it goes from this priest hanging himself, a woman screaming at a seance, uh, a dude going to an abandoned building and a blow-up doll just randomly inflates, and then he's about to fuck it, and he looks over and there's a rotting fetus. And then it goes from that to a pe people in a room, and then maggots just blowing in like a storm. And then it goes to these catacombs, and then in the end, this in this what appears to be initially a happy scene of this child running to be reunited with his friends, all of a sudden goes to, I think, a still frame and screaming. Uh, so the ending's open for interpretation, guys. <laughs> I I'm, I assume is. because she, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, if, if you like to do recreational drugs, this was probably a really good one to enlighten your brain or however you want to put it, whatever your, your legality of your situation is. And uh, see what you think of it and let us know at 80sVisited at gmail.com or 80s underscore visited on Instagram. Uh, let me know what you think. I think the kid apparently is evil or something or is a zombie still, even though he doesn't look like a zombie because it freezes and the woman screams. So, hmm. again, I claim no knowledge of that being true. You watch this movie and you tell me because <laughs> it's not very clear. And also, uh, there was an ending shot for this film, but somebody spilled coffee on it and ruined it. So they had to basically use footage they had to wrap it up. Wow. So, uh... I hate that, when that happens. That's why you don't... Every editing room you go into in Italy now has a big sign that says... No coffee. I don't know. I can't remember. I, can't, I think no I don't still know no in Italy. So, no coffee. No cappuccino. Oh. <laughs> no cappuccino. Specifically. I'm just being completely silly. But I can because I'm 25% Italian. So, I can, I can make fun of the language. So, don't come at me... Oh my! Uh, anyway, so bottom line, this it's it's a it's a good it's a creepy film. It has atmosphere, which is great for a horror film. Uh, again, it, it's see this is the end. Yeah. Oh, everything's okay. We're happy. We're wait. Really? Uh. And their face changes. And then hey, what's wrong with the kid? I don't know. Apparently nothing. But he's just running at him, and then you hear screaming. All the screaming. <laughs> And then it does that. So uh, I guess that they can tell something's wrong with the kid. Uh-huh. So. So. That's it. <laughs> now. Credits. Now, getting on <laughs> again, getting on with, we went to the trivia here. This is the first installment of the, quote, Gates of Hell trilogy, which also, also includes the Beyond and the House by the Cemetery. Again, I find the Beyond to be a bit, like, that's one, so it's, oh, well, Zombie 2, if somebody says, oh, what would you say somebody should watch it and they're seeing a faulty film? Zombie 2, because you got the shark, mm -hmm. you got another famous scene with very famous gore scene. And it's, again, Fulci, he's not my favorite. I'm not a, like, I'm not a Fulci fan, but I'm a horror fan, so therefore I give it the respect it deserves at its time. And, you know, again, it is a, it's one of those landmark gore films. Uh, you know, 
it's it's harkens to Italian cinema of the time. We're not going to film school here. Uh, that scene actually is really is a great scene, although it goes on way too long. Uh, and I say it's great because he, first of all, a whole bunch of people are talking, and this coffin's being covered with dirt. And these two dudes standing right next to it don't hear this woman go like, uh, uh. "This dude walks away like, huh? Look, that, it's covered with dirt, but he hears it, comes through it, and then with the pick again. That's that a was, great, you know. That's not the, that's what I'm getting at. That's a dumb decision, but it's a good visual. Like, sure. You know, yeah, in the yeah, coffin, yeah. then the light comes through, and then but he still goes at the side. You know, okay, I know somebody's in here screaming. <laughs> don't go for the sides of the coffin or say, "Move, I'm coming," or like you know. Move to the left, your left of the coffin. I mean the right. I mean the right. He's just making air holes. <laughs> yeah, in her skull, like, <laughs> in her face. But yeah, uh, you know, it's a, it, this is one of those films too, where like you know, you got a. I'd say you got a competent director, not this and Fulci. I don't want to get you know the random Fulci fans hate mail. I don't want to live with that on my soul. Sure. But uh, this is one of those films that like you know, I can see what they were going for, and they didn't. They didn't get there. Mm. Kind of like every Rob Zombie film. Oh, shade. Again, I, I can't wait to see Free From Hell. I enjoy watching his movies, but I don't hold him on any kind of pedestal. Uh, that's just me. If you like him, it doesn't matter. That's what makes that's what makes the world great. You can think whatever the fuck you want to think. Doesn't mean you're wrong. Doesn't mean I'm right. Vice versa, motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Philosophy. Mic drop. No, just kidding. Anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, the scene where the window opens wide and a lot of maggots fly in was actually filmed with the help of two wind machines and 22 pounds of actual maggots, so you know those Lovely motherfuckers. Scene. Were, that's a great. I mean, again, good, again, it's a it's great gore. The, like right. the gore effects. Like this is why you. I, this is where I heard about this movie. Not because oh you gotta watch Fult, gotta watch Fulci man. It was more so at least in how I came into it was like dude like if you like if you think like that shit's gross like you gotta watch this movie's the grossest movie I've ever seen. And of course, Zombie Two. You know, I always heard about that one because of the shark. And I'm, everybody, if you listen, if you're a fan of the podcast, you know Trey loves fucking sharks. So I Trey heard zombie fights the sharks. sharks. Wait a second, <laughs> that didn't come out right. <laughs> Trey loves fucking sharks. I fucking love sharks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, see, it's funny because uh, I saw this meme the other day that made me actually made me like think. Like, wait a second, is Bingo the name of the farmer or the dog? There was a farmer had a dog. Bingo was his name. Oh, is Bingo truly the dog, or could it? Could you say argue that it's the farmer? You could argue, and also. Yeah. The Purple People Eater song, I've never listened to all the lyrics of that song. It's a campy Halloween song that you, everybody knows the chorus. It's one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater. Well, if you listen to the chorus, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, it's a, he's purple and he eats people. No. According to the song, he only eats purple people. Oh, purple people eater. Okay. So he's friendly to us, unless you're purple. Oh. That's also, if you ever wonder why you don't see any purple people, because they're doing their fucking job. Or because they ate all the purple people and they went extinct. Facts right there. <laughs> Prove me wrong. Right. It's true. So, yeah. Anyway, thanks for correcting me before I got into a lot of trouble with PETA. Yeah. And probably uh, the government. Yeah. They banned you from Shark Week. Yeah. There's that guy that likes fucking yeah, yeah. sharks. Get away from the beach. There's a sign in the water. You know, it says the shark sign on the beach. The shark's in the water. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. There's a guy that likes fucking sharks coming in that swims yeah. here. Go to the beach. Go to the other beach. <laughs> Thank you, Jesse. Save me. Thank you for helping yeah. me correct that before it got yeah. way out of hand. I want the public to go crazy. Yeah. Remember what, last time? What I would ever make them think that? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, Lucio, Lucio Fulci always carried around a bag with his trademark pipe and tobacco. And one day on set, he reached into his bag and found a handful of maggots. 
which I was kind of getting at before the whole fucking sharks thing happened, mm-hmm. uh, which had been used earlier in the film in the scene where all the maggots blow through the window. Uh, so yeah, pretty much uh, at first when I read that, I was like, oh, obviously they got in there when they shot that scene because they used two giant wind machines to pump 22 pounds of maggots. Nah, uh, Tr- Christopher George, the film's lead actor, did not like Fulci. So that day he took a whole handful of maggots, which we're watching right now. It's maggots, Michael. How do you like your maggots? <laughs> That's a Lost Boys quote for you uh, people that don't know the Lost Boys. Right. Which is, I'm surely is nobody that I know. Because I would be extremely disappointed. But anyway, it's actually oh, the lead actor, Christopher George, did it on purpose because he did not like Fulci. Did not like working with him. Yeah, that's all real magnets. Mag- magnets. <laughs> Mag- <laughs> They're throwing magnets out. That's awful. Yeah. That's probably Hard day on set. real vomit. Probably. Guess. Like, maggots do not smell good. I'm sure they don't. I have been around them. Well... Actually, this would be a great day. Like, hey, I saw, I heard you guys had a maggot scene. You need an exterminator? Well, like uh, the movie theater in Baton Rouge. Oh yeah. Speaking of, <laughs> I love how we, I love how Baton Rouge gets national publicity for the Is fact that, that national now. I don't know. I'm, I know no. it's you know. Well, it should be. I, when when our news says, oh, it went viral, I'll just assume that somebody somewhere around the nation saw it. So oh, that's okay. around you know. Whatever, and then yeah, this is this is just this is not even a scene in the movie. This is just like okay, cut, and that's what everything. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know they were picking that shit out for days. Uh, Rain of maggots here and there. Ugh. That's amazing. Well, here we go. Uh, let's see. There are a ton of explanations for how the end took shape uh, the way it did, and neither Fulci nor uh, the uh, the writer Sachetti was there any help in straightening it out. Some say the editor spilled coffee on the footage of the original ending, forcing him to improvise. Some say Fulci changed his mind about the end after the shooting was complete, and that's the best they could do. So it, that's technically not. There's no like official statement, but the coffee story. At least gives us right. something fun to talk about and a cool, funny piece of trivia for this film when you're at a party and they're showing it on the screen. Well, if I ever make a movie where the ending's just awful, that's my excuse. Oops. Oops. Like Casey Jones and Ninja Turtles. Oops. <laughs> my favorite part of that entire movie. Uh, anyway, when theatrically released in the United States in 83, again, 80 in uh, Europe, 83 over here, it was the original title was, as I mentioned earlier, Twilight of the Dead. But due to the fact that both the title and the poster art were derivative of the Dawn of the Dead uh, film, the United Film Distribution Company filed a cease and desist order against Fulci, and they had to change it. And actually, they did have some of the uh, posters made with Twilight of the Dead. So I imagine, in similar to the similar fashion to the Revenge of the Jedi posters from Return of the Jedi, if there are actually some that have gotten to circulation, or even ones that still exist from then, they're probably worth a pretty penny. I would imagine. I'm sure there's plenty of fake ones. Uh, uh, for Daniela Doria's death scene, which we mentioned earlier, where she violates up her internal organs, which is absolutely horrific, uh, the actress swallowed and actually regurgitated a plate of tripe. Now, I read this, like, what the fuck is tripe? I've seen that being sold in supermarkets and stuff. I'm glad you asked, Jesse, in case you were <laughs> I mean, curious. What is that? It is the first or second stomach of a cow or other ruminant used as food. So, yeah, that's a, a cow stomach. That's apparently used as food. Lovely. So, you know, somebody cooks it, I'll try it. I'll try any kind of food that is actually considered a food, except dog. I would never try dog. That's right. That's the one food. That, well, I, I would fucking eat a human being. If somebody said, like, <laughs> you know, if, it was, if there was some legal way to do it and they said, would you actually, like, take a bite? My curiosity, I think, would get the better well, of me. What if you I would love it? Bite. Well, you- well, then, Jesse, it's like we wouldn't play a new game. <laughs> like, and what if you just had to have more of it? That's a movie. Copyright Age Revisited yeah. 2019. Somebody tries it and they have to have it. 
kind of like well, that was sort of, sort of like Ravenous, in a sense. I mean, uh, what's his name? Great actor. When Twenty Eight Weeks Later, uh, the, oh God, not Guy Pierce. He was the uh, kind of the main character. And the, speaking of Ravenous, also, also starred eighties icon and convicted child pe- uh, uh, pedophile Jeffrey Jones. Uh, oh my God, Robert Carlyle. That's it. Thank you. Yeah. I could not think of. I could see his face. He was also one of the worst. I like Robert Carlyle, but he was not a good Bond villain in uh, World Is Not Enough either. But nevertheless, great actor otherwise, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, yeah, in close-ups, the fake head was used, as you mentioned, which contained a pump that spewed the organs out more forcefully, which we saw earlier. Score-wise, I'd give this movie, a, you know, as in terms of a movie, it, you know, this is a little high, but I'd say a five simply because it's fun to watch. If, you're, if you like horror movies, if you like watching gore effects, those practical effects that to me hold up because they're real uh and if you don't believe me that these effects hold up they hold up better than any 90s horror movie because go watch any 90s horror movie and those effects when the advent of all the cg scream series not necessarily withstanding uh i'm thinking like Wishmaster, those kinds of uh a little more fantastical horror movies of that decade where the cg is meant to do things and it's just like I want to barf my guts up like this movie. Mm-hmm. That does not hold up. Practical stuff. Of course, you can tell it's a fake head. But again, my argument is, you know, oh, it's, it's fake. You can tell it's not real. But no, it is real. It's an on-set thing happening. Right. It's not, you know, when but it, you see it's it CG, again. it is not real. There's nothing real about that. There is a tennis ball. There's a piece of foam hanging in the air somebody's reacting to. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I mean, again, I am not an actor. I'm sure Gary Oldman doesn't give a shit. He can act with a tennis ball or he can act with a fake head on set barfing its guts out. He, it doesn't matter for that kind of talent. But I would imagine if I was a director, if I was, you know, making a horror movie, I would go practical as much as possible because I would want I, I just I, I truly believe that get, no matter what, even how no matter how good they are on some level, you're going to get a better reaction because they are seeing it. They know exactly how they would react to that. They can, you know, they might get blood splattered on them and, or whatever, as opposed to digitally added blood later splattered on the screen or anything like that. I mean, I think the, the actors should get excited too. Yeah. As opposed to a tennis ball on set, like saying, this is going to look great later. Cause one of the, one, again, to, you know, quotes that I randomly remember, I remember when Dennis Quaid, uh, that cheap, you know, that B movie, Tom Cruise, I mean, Tom Cruise, Harrison Ford, just kidding, Dennis. If you're if you're watching or listening, <laughs> but if you're not watching or listening, love you in inner space. That's about it. But uh, no, just kidding. Uh, anyway, uh, he said one of his quotes was because you know Dragonheart was in the speaking of the '90s, which Dragonheart's effects do not hold up. I hate to say it because that yeah. was a you know at, at the time, holy shit. At the time, wow. No, no, Very no now, and the, the, and again, I cite Jurassic Park came out. I'm pretty sure before. Uh, before Dragonheart, what did Jurassic Park do? It mixed practical and CG. And yeah, you can obviously tell when it's CG, but it is done at such a level to where it's it doesn't matter. But anyway, the quote I remember Dennis Quaid saying it was how hard he commented how hard it was to act with a tennis ball. Somebody, you know, some grips off or not grips, some script supervisors all set saying, The stars, Bowen, look at the stars, and there's a tennis ball. And he's supposed to be reacting to a dragon with the voice of Sean Connery. So. Yeah, 1996. Yeah, that's four, three, four years after three Jurassic Three years Park. after the release of Jurassic Park. Yeah. Not the creation of it, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, that, there's no, you know, when, when there's a benchmark film like that, like, like Jurassic Park in terms of 
the advent of CGI. There's no excuse for a, a big budget film after it. I'm not saying Dragonheart had the budget of it, but it was billed, you know, as a big CG character. Yeah. You know, there's a reason that it's Dennis Quaid, not Harrison Ford. <laughs> Budgetary. Yeah, but you think Sean Connery is the dragon, so I mean. That, well, your budget went to your effects, and I would imagine Sean Connery. All right. And David Thewlis is the villain, so that's a good thing, but uh, that was kind of before he was. Uh, not popular, that's the wrong word, but before I... This, Dragonheart's before I had an appreciation for David Thewlis, put it to you that way. Because hmm. I'd found him annoying in this movie. However, <laughs> he was meant to be, so that's just me being crazy because that's just written honest. Oh, honesty, that's good acting. For me to be annoyed, like, you know, like Joffrey from Game of Thrones, I hate that fucker. Yeah. But that's not because I hate the dude or hate his act. Like, he actually, it's because, honestly, because he did a good job. I just, he, and he, when he pops up in Batman Begins, I'm just like, kill him! Kill him! <laughs> Uh, yeah, so anyway, this film, you know, I give it a five. Uh, it has its supporters, obviously, online. Everybody loves something. I'm not saying it's a bad film at all, but, you know, in terms of, like, a the to totality of what makes a good film, acting, music, story, script, directing, technicality, all that stuff, you know, this, ha this checks off a few of those boxes, but not enough for me to say that it's, a you know, anything better than, you know, it's not better than the sum of its parts. Right. Uh, again, uh, now this is a film. Somebody said they're remaking it and had an idea of how to end it. Hell yeah, yeah. Give it a shot. It's still open to anyone stepping in and doing that. Yeah, and it's. I mean, this is one. You know, I mean, again, you you, you got to get Tom Savini. You got to get somebody. You got to get Nicotero. Somebody who can handle that level of gore these days. Because I mean, I. Well, the movie we'll talk about in a little bit had some practical effects, but also had some CG. But uh, speaking of the Jurassic Park factor of blending them to where it works, to where. Mm -hmm. Even though I know it's CG, I'm not taking out taken out by the fact that that is not there. Right. Like again, in horror, what makes it scary that it's that it's happening, that it's quote unquote real? Yeah. When you're in the closet and Michael Myers is smashing through it, that is terrifying. When you're in the closet and a CG rabid monkey wolf is coming through, and you know the CG might look good, but there's still that there's that uncanny valley, as they say, mm -hmm. that. This is not scary. There's nothing scary about that. There's nothing real there. Jamie Lee Curtis is reacting to, in that particular scene, Tommy Lee Wallace coming through the closet. Whereas in modern movies, uh, I'm trying to think of an example. Uh, it Chapter 2, or I mean, I haven't seen Chapter 2, but, you know, it, again, not bashing it. But, I mean, that's, what, that's why when I say it's not scary, this is the exact reason. You know, oh, I jumped because he burst out of the TV screen. Right. But at the same time, it's a giant CG clown. Now, of course... If I actually saw that in real life, yes, that would be terrifying. Not saying that, but watch knowing. First of all, you're watching a movie. You know, like my dad used to tell me when I'd watch something on TV, like it's just a movie, son. Don't get scared. <laughs> no problem, Dad. I'm not scary. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, later that night, <laughs> uh, that kind of thing. You know, so it's, it's it doesn't scare me in that regard. Where like you know, watching the opening of Friday Five where he comes out of the grave and kills people and then walks right towards the camera with those black eyes, the devil's eyes. You know, <laughs> that's real. Like, that's really happening. That I, I know what that would look like in reality. Yeah. So there's a level of fear there, I think, that exists. Again, just my perspective, as opposed to a giant CG head coming out. Hey, Georgie, blah, blah, or Not Georgie's in the beginning. I know he doesn't say that in any other part of the movie. Uh, so don't crucify me, horror fans. Georgie. Not that anybody does. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just, just in case this gets really famous one day. Yeah, sure. Oh, he covered his bases. What a smart guy. 
<laughs> not that that's going to happen. But, you know, yeah, that, I mean, like, that's why, you know, The Shark and Jaws is more real to me than any other shark movie that ever came before or after, aside from the Jaws sequels where they use the real shark. Mm-hmm. Because, again, oh, the shark looks fake, but it's literally there. It is real. Yeah, it's fake, but it's real. Right. They are in the if I if you were in the water and that shark popped up next to you, the exact shark from Jaws, you just like me, you'd shit your pants in the <laughs> pool. Caddyshack at hundred percent. The shark looks does it look real? You know, in some scenes, I'd say it does. Masterful work of Steven Spielberg. That's why when like I see these, you know, again, I'm not picking on anybody or gen- in a generation, but like, oh, 28, I mean, uh, not 28, uh, 27 meters or 47 meters down, 47 meters deeper or whatever the hell the new one is that just came out. I'm watching that. See, even though obviously that's a candid shot, <laughs> sure. uh, you know, it's still, it's again, it's there. There's a great shot too where uh, I've seen the meme where it's uh, Robert uh, Shaw sitting like our power. Uh, that's a real shark. I'll get confused with that one. Uh, where Robert Shaw is sitting like this, our YouTube video uh, watchers can see it, but then like, you know, it's between takes, between Quint's demise at the end of the film. So the mechanical shark's sitting there ready for the shot, and Robert Shaw's just kind of chilling, waiting for, you know, everybody to get ready, because we know that is on a movie set. Mm-hmm. You know, waiting and waiting. But then the caption is, uh, hey Robert, what you thinking? <laughs> you gotta see the picture. <laughs> but uh, it's a funny meme that I've seen that my wife shares with me, like when, like that's one, like in our relationship, she'll send that when she wants to know what I'm doing. Right. Like, hey, Robert, what you thinking? Okay. See, look, that is fucking terrifying. If you just were in the water and you saw right. that, if I saw a something that looked like it did not belong here, looking, you know, I mean, that's... See, look, that's... You got to describe it for the podcast, people. Sorry. It's a scene... <laughs> I, I, it's a YouTube thing. It just throw me off. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing it. It's a whole new world. Don't you dare close your eyes. <laughs> but it looks like uh, just some footage of the making it, or behind-the-scenes footage of Jaws where yeah. they show the mechanical shark. Shot of it in yeah. the water, fin you know, sticking out. Yeah, looks great. And it looks, looks you know, it do, it's, it's huge. Yeah, I mean, it looks good. This is night in this. This is the seventies. Right. So yeah, when you make a shark movie these days and the sharks look stupid, <laughs> Deep Blue Sea, love that movie to death. Super Thomas Jane, Samuel, great. You know, I say a great film, but we know what I mean when I say that Deep Blue Sea is great. You know, it's right. it's. It's that kind of great. Great fun. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, exactly right. It is a fun, enjoyable film to watch. They have some practical sharks in there. The, the, the real sharks look fantastic. They look fantastic, actually. Uh, but then when it cuts to the CG ones, like when Samuel L. gets eaten, that is one of the worst CG effects in any big-budget motion picture in the past 20 years. It looks so bad. Even at the time, it was like the shock of that moment happening was then ruined by the the second shot after that, after everybody's reaction, where he gets pulled into the water, and it is just blatantly like the most uh, VHS board game effect kind of thing that you've ever seen. Coming up, we're gonna, we're gonna survive! If you're on YouTube, you're watching with us right now. Yep, Samuel screaming, slows in with Thomas Jane, or Samuel calls him in the commentary, Super Tom. <laughs> yeah, that's bad, so, yeah. yeah. No, no, it gets worse, that shot, when you see that, especially when you watch movies, in uh, 4K or 1080p, you know, when you're watching them on high def, streaming them, your the the CG flaws are way way worse than any of the uh, seeing the seams of an appliance on a on a uh, horror movie, you know, we're on a zombie or anything like that. Uh, just watched Day of the Dead last night with Autumn, who had never seen it uh, in preparation for the next episode, uh, and it's just like you know we watch you know in the highest definition copy I could find of it. Uh, I'm assuming it's 1080p. 
God, it's still so, so <laughs> terrible, man. And the shark's gray. They show it later. It's navy. It's a darker blue. It's just like they, there's blue. no cohesive. Yeah. Uh, you know, so watching Day of the Dead, I mean, it's like those effects are 30 years old and still look fucking disturbing. Yeah. You know, when, the, when uh, he gets ripped in half, one of the most famous scenes in any zombie movie is from the end of Day of the Dead, uh, where he gets ripped in half. And it's just like, it's still like fucking, like, God damn, like, they did that 30 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, Nicotero is continuing the Lord's work in The Walking Dead in terms of the effects. I'm not going to say, I don't, I don't think he's considered the showrunner for that series or anything, but I know he has a much bigger hand than he used to. Uh, but, I mean, Nicotero is, you know, he is, you know, he worked under Savini and everything. Uh, so, I mean, he's, he's the, he is the modern, well, not modern because they work together, I guess. But, I mean, you know, he's like, he's that next one in that lineage, so to speak. I mean, Savini's not getting any younger. Uh, so, you know, who's going to be the next one? I'm not sure. You know, or I mean, always. You know, I know Nicotero has a studio, so I'm sure he has like his proteges that will you know come up under him. But it's like yeah. uh, I remember when Starship Troopers came out. Came out. Phil Tippett, who did all the miniatures for Starship Troopers, <laughs> was like saying how like you know he had so much fun working on this film, but he was he also said how scared he was of what this meant. Like he said, you know, when's the next time I'm going to get to this movie? Just came out. He just did phenomenal work on, it. and like his he was he was saying in like on making of like stuff like that, like you know. He doesn't know if we'll ever get to do this again because you know, Starship Troopers had some great CG. Now, I say great, but I mean, again, the intermingling of CG and practical effects works in Starship Troopers, works in Jurassic Park. Uh, you know, so when it when it works, it, it doesn't detract from either one, I think. Yeah. Because, you know, oh, that's obvi obviously this trooper is being held by a, a puppet, you know, so to speak or whatever. Oh, that's obviously CG because they can't do that. But... If you do it well, you have a good director, you have a you know, good cinematographer, you have a competent CG studio that sees what the physical models look like and reproduces that digitally, yeah. it makes sense. That was a time where people didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. I mean, nowadays they know that they need to get lighting for the whole scene, like to get everything. Yeah. Like I was watching like behind the scenes of this Bollywood thing even. And they often have bad effects, but they still did their homework. They had like they were doing this large sphere that was rolling. And they had a guy with an actual sphere, like walking through with the sphere. Oh, so, yeah, the, like the, so the VFX people know how to light the actual sphere whenever it came time to do it. See, that's that's skill. Like that's like knowing, like you said, you know, maybe yeah, just knowing how to good, shoot it. But they back, know how to do it. And back then, they were probably just shot and be like, "Go figure it out, VFX people." <laughs> well, ILM, they got like, what no they problem. Got. Yeah. We got this <laughs> at that point. But then you know, you know, when whenever a new technology comes out for film, that you know, it has to prove itself. Uh, such as CG, like to where, you know, there's always a big deal. Like, when are you going to have the first CG movie? When are you going to have the first C full CG character? You know, all that, you know, because it, it has to look a certain way. Uh, and there's been a lot of successes and a lot of failures. But once, as you're moving into that and you and you get that made, or you're, you're moving into that, you have to have, you know, at, when it, at its genesis, you have people working on it who have something to prove. Like, we have to make this work. This has to look good. And, you know, competition breeds creativity. Uh, restraint, Rob Zombie, breeds creativity. Figuring out how to do something when your budget is cut in half or you have, you have to turn in a movie that's, you know, not unrated but an R or whatever the restriction is. You have to get creative. Some of the best movies ever made, uh, Jaws, there's a great example. Mm -hmm. The shark's not working. And as Spielberg says, every time he wants to talk about it, I had to be very uh, Hitchcockian about it and not show the shark, you know. 
you weren't being Hitchcockian. You were utilizing what Hitchcock, I mean, you were. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking bad about Spielberg. <laughs> Our Lord and Savior, Steven Spielberg. Uh, but I mean, you, you were forced to do that. So yeah, you know, but you, you realized that's what you needed to do. And how did it work? Brilliantly. Yeah. You don't see the shark till like, you know, when it eats the counselor's leg, really. That's your first really good look at it. And that's like maybe almost an hour into the movie, 45 minutes into the movie. And everything else is POV until that moment. You see the fins when it eats the boy, when it kind of rolls over. But, I mean, you don't get a good look at it. You have no clue what you're dealing with, you know, until that moment, which uh, we talked about. You mentioned last week, like, moments that scared, like, actually scared me. When I was a kid, that was the moment in Jaws that actually scared me. Is when the count, that overhead shot where the counselor's hanging on the little red boat. And under the water, you see the shark come kind of at a side angle. So, you see the white belly. Hmm, what would that be called? Uh, counselor get, or leg bitten off probably that's that's the big like oh and then because then the leg falls to the bottom which looks fantastic too it looks like I swear that effect looks it looks like a real fucking leg in that scene even today it's brutal it's uh, before they pull him out of the water there it is oh this thing yeah that shot right there as a child that that was the that was the terrifying shot for Jaws <laughs> for me because it's the sh that's the shot where like there's something under the water right and you've seen this thing kill a whole bunch of boom <laughs> Yeah, that looks pretty And then real. This, that leg looks, so, to this day, watch it on HD. Uh, Jaws, I'm not sure if it's in 4K, but it's in some high resolutions out there. Yeah. That uh, that fake leg looks fucking real. And I uh, should make a note that we were watching this on YouTube, and you could watch it with us. Just like Joshua Carr is right now, he said, I don't know if I can go back to podcast listening after watching on YouTube. So many extra visuals, and that is true. Hey, there you go. And Appreciate it, Josh. And you're live with us now. You know? Yeah, interact, live interacting. It's yeah. like you're in the room, sort of, <laughs> yeah. virtually. But anyway, in the real world, May 6, 1983, uh, Stern Magazine publishes the Hitler Diaries, which are later found to be forgeries. There's a docu documentary series, I believe, on Netflix called... I forget oh, now the name. The sound works. <laughs> Creepy. There's a documentary series on Netflix, I forget what it's called, like Greatest Hoaxes or something like that, but there's an episode about the Hitler Diaries, if you'd like some... Uh, background on that. It's a very interesting story. They've tried to pass it off as real. Uh, completely fake. But uh, nevertheless, I found it to be a pretty good, uh, you know, interesting story. Like, I'm surprised there's not a movie. There might, there's probably a TV movie about it. But, you know, it would make a interesting movie about the, the whole forgery thing about them trying to make money on it. So, mm. But anyway, a now I wrote this when we originally were going to do this back in October of last year. So my, my Back to the Futures aren't uh, quite up to date on it. So we're going to, uh, going off script, but anyway, uh, I teased on Instagram. There was a remake that came out recently that I actually really liked. And everybody mm -hmm. who's listened to it, anytime we talk about a movie on this podcast, that's remade. I usually go on a tirade slash tangent about how most, most modern remakes are not needed are completely useless. Add nothing. They suck. Right. However, now full disclosure, I am not a via, uh, vehement child's play fan. Like, I like I like the originals. I don't put them in the same category as Halloween or Friday or Nightmare, but I, I like Chucky. It's a great character. The new Child's Play was fucking great. Really? Despite all the like, you know, when I, as I'm watching, you know, basically, uh, I will get to some spoilers in it a bit. I'll warn before I actually get far into it to where like I start actually naming plot points. But uh, in the first five minutes, you see that it's he, it's not a possessed doll. Basically, a programmer at the factory is—he's is, a disgruntled worker. Right. So he, he removes the safeguards from one doll, 
and then put the chip in. Yeah, because it's you know now the buddies are you know they're like Siri except they're mobile and are like little robots. They're little they're little T eight hundreds. Yeah, you know they're they climb up on shit. They do stuff, obviously. So it's this is a great way, like similar to what John Carpenter did with the the, the thing remake. Is like you know you take this idea but you bring it into the modern world some to where this is how it would kind of work now. Not yeah. in the original thing from another world. This is how child's play would work now. If they had something like this, this is this is what it would be. It wouldn't just be a you know we had my buddies in the eighties. That's what child's play was riffing on. Yeah. Now you have you know you have the dinosaurs that sent to your you know the robots that do all this stuff. So it's a perfect mix. Yeah. Now the film is still a I'd say a black comedy. Uh, why it gotta be black? Uh, but uh, <laughs> we didn't name it. A, I didn't name that genre. That's just what they're called. Yeah. Uh, but okay, now I'm going to get into spoilers. Jesse, are, do you have any? I mean, do you have any inkling to see it? I don't want to ruin no, anything go for, for it. You. Okay, here's spoiler the alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. If uh, spoilers for the rest of the episode. If you don't want to have child's play remake spoilers, we'll see you next episode. So, <laughs> not week. Uh, no, okay, full maybe week. Hopefully, I'm hoping. <laughs> uh, full child's play sto- spoilers begin now. Okay. The first, like, like the movie's right about an hour and a half, maybe an hour 38, maybe. Mm-hmm. The first half of the movie, Chucky is a fucking hero. Like, he's not, he's, like, uh, it's that, like, you know, he's a robot who adapts and listens, sort of like Chappie. Although not as, you know, not obviously not as lovable as Chappie, because I love that film. But anyway, uh, it's where the kid's like, he has an abusive stepdad, not stepdad, but his mom's boyfriend is like a dick to him. So he's like, God, I wish you would just go away. Or if he starts with the cat. He's like, oh, the cat scratched me. Like, ow, like, God, I hate that cat. So, you know, they, they, they do the video in the beginning. We're like, buddy, you know, evolves to learn what you need. You know, so they, they set their set. There's exposition in right. the beginning. However, it's well done exposition because again, you're watching the cert, you know, you're watching the, the commercial for buddy. Yeah. So it, it, it works. That is well handled exposition. Not like, you know, did you know these dolls learn things and grow like right. human beings? You know, it's it's done so organically. It's an entertaining way. Yeah. So like, and then oh, obviously the cat hurt his owner, who he they say they imprint on. Like he does a little scan of Andy's face. So, so he's like, trailer. yeah, yeah. So he's like, hey Andy, I'm your buddy, and voiced by Mark Hamill, which is great. Like, oh, that's awesome. you know, you know, uh, and then uh, anyway, so Chucky eventually takes care of the cat, and then <laughs> and then the kids like Chucky no, and he's like, I I thought you wanted me to, blah blah blah. Okay, you know, okay, under, you know, so it's it's not like it's it's not homicidal. Then um, eventually he says the same thing, like the stepdad's abusive to him, hits Andy. So Chucky extracts his revenge in a very elaborate way. Nevertheless, it, it's still fun. The humor that dev- that comes from that situation in terms of how they try to dispose of the body or a body part is exceptionally entertaining. Uh, but then... So pretty much up until that point, Chucky is only, you know, it's almost innocent. Like he's, he's reacting. Oh, and they, they watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre too, which we've covered on the podcast. So go watch that episode or listen, listen to that episode. Uh, and of course he's, Chucky is watching Texas Chainsaw with all the friends and they're all laughing at it. Cause it's, you know, speaking of a black comedy, so is Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Yeah. Some say the first one is, I disagree. Uh, so they're, you know, Chop Top is getting his head, you know, smashed in and people are getting killed. And they're like laughing at how funny it is, taking the face off and everything. And then you know, Ch- it shows, you know, it's well done. Chucky's like seeing like, oh, they're laughing at this behavior. Chucky goes to the kitchen and gets a knife and like just goes, hey, Andy. And they're like, well, Chucky, what are you doing? Like, tense little scene. Like, whoa, 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 Like, does this make you laugh? You know, they, they tackle like, I thought I was just trying to make you laugh. You know, it's, it's sad. It's like, it's similar to what a child would do. Like thinking like, oh. Yeah. 
this is funny. This is funny. Learning so, wrong things. Yeah, you know, so like Chucky's not a villain in, until they have this this movie. It's not a complaint because you have to make him like. At first, I thought this this might be absolutely amazing, and this is going to persist through the movie. And Amy's going to go to jail, and Chucky is basically not even a villain technically. Yeah. It's just it's just evolved how AI learns. You know, a ca- more of a cautionary tale almost, mm-hmm. a Black Mirror episode, if you will. Uh, doesn't go that way because it makes a sharp ninety degree turn. Uh, when uh, oh, then the, the built uh, Chucky kills the building uh, maintenance uh, garbage man, who turns out to be spying on everybody in the shower and masturbating, <laughs> uh, and then tries to finds Chucky in the garbage when Andy shuns him and uh, rebuilds him after they kind of disarm Chucky, so to speak. Because they realize he's actually killed killed somebody. So, but anyway, uh, so they have, the movie makes a really strong ninety degree turn to where you do not like Chucky anymore. There's this very sweet old lady, the cop in the movie's mom, very sweet, love, great character development between him and the, her and the cop and Andy and everything. You know, starts off as a big character, but you, and then like the second they show Chucky back, I'm like, son of a bitch. They're doing. They're, the only reason this is happening is because now you have to want Chucky to. You, you can't be on Chucky's side anymore. I either they. I think that they they blatantly did it on purpose, but I think they did it because like wait a second they're watching this like Chucky's kind of the hero right now. <laughs> this is he's got to be the villain. So then now he starts killing people that absolutely did not deserve it. Like now now we're going old school Chucky. Like ah oh, Andy, I'm gonna take care of this person and make them think you did it, Andy. That kind, of, you know, that kind of thing, because he was kind wow. of shunned by Andy. So then it goes to a traditional child's play, uh, but again, it's well acted, it's well shot. The music is great. Mark Hamill is great as Chucky. There's a couple of story things, like I said, like with the, uh, you know, just it takes that big shift to get it where it needs to go, which I wish that would have been handled a little differently, because, uh, like I said, it's literally like a 90 degree turn in the middle of the movie. But it, I understand it's necessary because it's child's play, uh, and then. Uh, there is, you know, obviously there's CG. There's a mix of CG and practical practical effects in this. Does a great job of. I mean, obviously when the doll's doing some things, it's obviously CG, but it's blended well with the live action to where it works, to where it doesn't take you out that oh, that's obviously a CG doll. You know, some of the scenes where I thought it was CG, it might not have been. You know, I mean, I know robotics are advanced enough to where that's that's happened before. Or in a movie like oh, that wait, that's not that's not CG. No, that's a practical effect. There's certain things like that, you know, that happened that uh, I can't think of one offhand to name you, but uh, let's hear Mark Hamill's voice. Hello, WonderCon. It's Mark Hamill here, and if you're wondering who's going to voice Chucky in the new Child's Play, you're looking at him. I can't wait to bring such an iconic character to life and present him in a way you've never seen him before. Child's Play this summer. We're going to have some fun, and remember, he's more than just a toy. He's your best friend. He didn't even do it. <laughs> but he talks like this. Oh, he really didn't do it. What a misleading YouTube video. <laughs> Damn you! <laughs> Hamill! <laughs> no, but uh, oh, well. Uh, again, I'm everybody, if you're a veteran of the podcast, I'm exceptionally hard on remakes because if there needs to be a reason for it. Uh, the Pet Cemetery remake is a great recent example. I know a lot of people liked it. A good fr- friend of mine on, from the other podcast, Roger Russell, really liked the Pet Cemetery remake. Not saying he's wrong. Not saying he's right. Same thing for me. I don't think it it did stuff new just for the sake of doing something new. Which on one hand, again, I li- it needs to do something new, but it just did something to me that didn't work for the story because that's not what that story is about. Hmm. The original, the book is probably one of the scariest 
probably the only scary book I've actually, a book that actually creeped me out reading it. Like, that's kind of fucked up. That's creepy. Oh my God. Mm. And of course, once you have a child, you read or watch <laughs> Pet Cemetery, takes on a whole nother meaning. Like, holy, like, you motherfucker, how did you ever let your child get that close to the road? Like, you know, like, it's just like, it's, would you bury your child a, in the pet cemetery? No, because I've seen the movie <laughs> Pet Cemetery. Yeah, that's and I know I know the dominoes that begin to fall when that happens. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah. Honestly, I would highly recommend the Child's Play remake. Uh, again, I like Child's Play one and two. Usually watch them in October. At least one of them. Bride of Chucky's. Uh, you know, that's kind of the, that that took the series to that really like horror comedy level mm -hmm. and everything. Um, it was Bride of Chucky, Son of Seed of Chucky, or whatever. Same yeah, guy, you know. That like, was super comedy. Yeah, like. you know, which is which. I think that is great. We need it. That Chucky is the perfect one because the first Child's Play, it's a horror movie. Second one, still pretty much a horror movie. Third one, dumb fucking plot. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the first one, somebody I think rightly realized when it got to like, let's keep this fran or let's bring this franchise because I think Child's Play three was in the nineties, maybe late eighties. I'm pretty sure it was early nineties. But then Bride of Chucky. Pretty sure it was in 2000, so you had a nice hi hiatus. But wisely, the way they brought Chucky back, because they only had three original ones, and then they had after uh, Bride of Chucky, they had Bride Seed Cult, then another one, and now the remake. So it was actually more popular when it was, in a sense, rebranded as a comedic series. Cult of Chucky, Curse of Chucky. That's the other one I was trying to go. Yeah, I mean they're all yeah. So Cult I mean, of Chucky, Seed of Chucky, Bride of Chucky. Yeah, it's a, good, it's a good franchise. I thought I'd say Chucky so much in one night, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's great. Uh, like I said, the the remake, you know, unlike Rob Zombie's Halloween make remake or uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street or the Friday the Thirteenth, uh, you know, it just the Child's remake. It, they had a good idea, and again, quote, pardon the pun, the execution of that idea worked. They knew what they had needed to do to make it work. Right. Again, aside from the quick U-turn from Chucky's kind of a good guy to, oh, no, he's fucking killing these, this sweet old lady. You have to stop it. Yeah. Because it was like the, like I mentioned before, when long time ago when Chappie came out, there's a scene in Chappie that was disturbing to me. Because, again, he's like a child and he gets literally abused. Mm -hmm. And it's I still think it's because Charto Copley is a fantastic actor. Well done scene. Uh, when they're destroying Chucky at first before he gets remade and you cut then the, the shift kind of happens it's like you didn't need to do that I mean you, you didn't mean to do it and you kind of made your life better I mean you know it's, you kind of justify it because it's it's not you know involuntary manslaughter uh, kind of thing but nevertheless uh, it's on digital now uh, I'd recommend checking it out did you ever uh, we were talking about VFX earlier Chappie is a great example of VFX. Really well done. Oh, yeah. But Absolutely. the creation of it wasn't so well done because they had an idea of what they wanted to do and they thought they were doing the right thing. So they had the guy, the actor. Yeah, he had the, the kind of the suit, like part of the suit. But they didn't use it. The whole thing is done like the old way of just laying it on top. And it was a very big challenge for the VFX crew because they had to work with, uh, you know, you see them there, but they couldn't. They couldn't use him, so they had to first take him out of the scene, then lay the robot onto the scene. They used his motions, but his outfit, even though it looks like yeah, it, looks it like does what something, you would think. it does, didn't do anything. <laughs> so they had quite the challenge of that movie, having to recreate everything. And looks, Everywhere where that guy's blocking 
for example, the car. Yeah. You know, they had to take his arm out first, rebuild the car, then lay back over the that's, robot. That that's a miracle they even went that far. No one had to do that with like budgetary stuff, I imagine. Like oh, yeah, thank yeah. God because it's a fucking great movie, despite yeah. the acting of Diane Ward. Uh, <laughs> but I mean Hugh Jackman still that's probably one, that's one of my favorite roles I see him in that movie. And some of the best fucking fight scene like just the fight scene at the end is so yeah. fucking visually incredible. You can see we're playing it on YouTube, the clips of it, but you can see that they show the picture of the guy doing it, take him completely out, then rebuild everything. That's crazy. <laughs> that is so crazy. Yeah. But thank God they went through all that trouble because in my opinion, a fantastic film. Neil Blomkamp, why can't you get an alien movie off the ground? Like, uh, just get, getting it and taking it away, getting it and taking it away. It's crazy. He was on the new Robo. They were talking about doing Robocop with Peter Weller. He was attached to that. And then apparently he got, I got other, I'm producing it now, not directing it. You're like, no, you're a good, you are a fantastic director. I need you to direct this. <laughs> like, that's what, like, oh man, like, he only has three fucking films. That's crazy. And he's, I mean, I, I think he's immensely, t- one of the best directors that apparently is not working today. Because uh, I, I remember when the I think it was Halo Two or Halo Three, he did the commercial for that, the live action one. Right, right. Fan, I'm like, I'm watching, like, this is the Halo movie. This is the Halo fucking movie. And then what came out right after that? District Nine. And then the talk of Blomkamp doing the Halo movie never happened. Elysium comes out, you know, Best gorgeous <laughs> fucking movie. And then, uh, then of course Chappie, you know. So there's he has all those offers of it. Uh, that's funny. He has three films nominated for four Oscars. Dude, I mean, c- come on, man. Is that like, true? Really? Only four? Well, yeah, pretty much. This Anthem thing is like a game or something. I must have done like, yeah, Anthem's uh, Bioware's game, which uh, I haven't so played. So he is the director of 24 credits, but so many shorts in there. Yeah, because that's, I mean, that's mainly what he, he you know, that's what got him. Uh, yeah, recognized. pretty much these three right here. District I guess he 9, just, Elysium, and Chappie. I guess he just liked shorts. <laughs> I like shorts, too. <laughs> Live in Louisiana. A lot less pressure, I'm sure. I imagine. He probably has more control over it with like, you know, $100,000, or not $100,000, million dollar budget, who knows what. Less less eyes on it, too. Or at least a, a Netflix original or some like web series or just something, man. That like crazy. Anybody that has an intellectual property that's sci-fi should be throwing money at him to do like a live action version of it. The dude's fucking like... Seriously, it's really hard to work with. <laughs> Maybe I mean I, I mean you know at least we got Dennis Velvenu doing Dune. I mean at least That's he's sad. working. But I mean Blomkamp was like he was my last hope in terms right. of like like in terms of visual directors like modern ones to pick up the slack that Ridley Scott had in the eighties and hmm. quickly lost with his redundant Alien sequels. But anyway, so that kind of uh, that's it for the back. Oh wait, no. Also, I saw Spider Man Far From Home. Nice, I saw that. All right. It was. I mean, it's enjoyable. I guess um, they wanted to have a little spoilers spark. for Far From Home. Yes, it made the movie at the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That part was like, holy shit. Yeah. And that, and but now, Sony um, yeah, Marvel doesn't have it, so now we have no clue what, what what's gonna happen. <laughs> they'll they'll figure done. it out. It's coming back. They're like, we Thanos really... comes back and snaps real quick, <laughs> takes Spider Man out, <laughs> and then leaves again. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, Far From Home was good, but it's one of those like, eh. I mean, there was nothing wrong with it, but it just, yeah. you know, because you have. It was an in between Spider Man movie. It's weird that they said that that was the last movie of that phase, though. Yeah, because it. Because what really happened, right? Nothing. Yeah. There's it like seemed that, like a beginning of a new phase because, you know, you didn't need much to happen there. That's what I thought I was going to say. Um, it just sets up that Fury's in space. I guess they were 
It did close the book on Iron Man. That's the only thing it did. But did we need that? No. See, but it, it what it did is show they're probably not going to make a lot of mention of Iron Man stuff, maybe. Or maybe they are. They'll probably show first scene of the next Avengers movie pans down the, the Avengers statue of Iron Man and Cap and everything, and then that's that's all you see. Right. But as far as his technology, you know, that was his last view of the technology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> view of their glasses. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I thought the plot was weak. It was just like, and of co- anybody who's read a Spider-Man comic in their entire life knew that at some point Mysterio is not going to be the good. There's This isn't like, there's this is all a play. Yeah, of course. You know, it's, it's just like everyone knew. It's just waiting when was it going to happen. But I, I, honestly, because like when you talk about the multiverse, I was like, OK, maybe this is a good Mysterio. And they're going to do that kind of thing yeah. where like then the bad one comes in or something or because that inter- that part was like, again, there's nothing really wrong with the film. It just to me, that wasn't a coda to the MCU so far. That was just. That should have been before in game, like, but it takes place after the snap or whatever they call it, the plip or the plop or what they kept saying. Blip. Blip, Blip yeah. I thank you. It was, just, um, it was just unneeded. It's like Toy Story 4. I enjoyed the fuck out of Toy Story 4, but did I really, do we need that? I didn't see it yet. I saw uh, Spider-Man in a 4D theater, though. Oh. Have you been to one of these? No, like rumble and seats shake or? Yeah, it did a lot more than I thought it did. Really? Like when you walk in, they have a sign that says like, Rain, snow, wind, oh, wow. and all that. Oh, but oh, but that was great then. Yeah, with, for that movie with the. Uh, yeah, I chose wisely as to which 4D experience I was going to go to. Did hair dryers pop up like in the molten man? No, when you walk in and you sit down, there you there's sections of four seats a piece hmm. because that four seat thing is going to take off from the ground and start moving around. You know, it's it's like those. Uh, remember the old Back to the Future ride? Yeah, like, yeah, where you're sitting inside the little the car later. Yeah, and you're moving on. It's very similar to that. That's fucking but cool. But it has like, yeah, it had like a water off option because they have a sprayer <laughs> right in front of you. <laughs> I turned mine off because I was like, I don't want to find out how wet this is going to get. I mean, sure, they don't want to clean the seats and stuff. Turned out it wasn't that wet because Thank Melissa goodness. left hers on. And um, it didn't matter that she left hers on, mine was off because all that went to me <laughs> because... All the t- all the while, there's fans co- lining the corners of the room, oh, wow. just all over the place, and that's what makes the wind. And uh, yeah, it was just windy, and then the rain would hit and pff, hit me in the face. <laughs> but the Figures. the thing that stands out the most is that there's little air jets right behind your seat, and every time Spider-Man shot, it was a reminds me of the now defunct ride at Disney World. Uh, stitches. Well, it used to be Alien Encounter, but then they called it Stitches Escape because they thought it was too scary. But an alien, you know, they put you in a room and like they lock you. In. It's just like a visual show. Yeah. But then the lights go out and all of a sudden the aliens out of like a canister and then it's kind of like that. You're like, and at one point a little air jet blows on the back of your neck says, "Don't move," and you, it's like, like it, like it licks you or something. Oh, so sounds way better than the chair. It wasn't much more though. It was probably like three or four bucks more. Was it worth it? I mean, was it worth to do it? Like, I wouldn't for, do it again uh, but, unless like the right movie came along. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, maybe it was more than that. I don't know. But it seems like oh, that would definitely be like one of the per- like that's a perfect movie. Yeah, because you got a giant water thing. You, you know, people say it's Hydra Man. It's not right. Right. Uh, all the, all the yeah, they have all the make. elements and stuff like yeah. that. And, yeah. Makes that be that, that would be one that'd be great. Yeah, they're really cool. It was the right movie to do it in. But then yeah, moving on up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. They did have a seatbelt. Wow. Yeah. The seatbelt light come on like 
Please buckle your seatbelt. Your feet go in like a footrest, like that. It's connected to the chair because because mm. you're coming off the ground by about a foot. Or, oh wow! Just a just a foot. It's not that bad. Like it'd be hard to get up during one of those scenes, but you wouldn't get up during yeah. one of those. Scenes. Wow! It wouldn't be easy. That's awesome. One day I'll experience that. My yeah. daughter's 18. There you go. When I get to see a movie again, which, like, uh, the new Rambo's out, and I want to see it. Do they have to be 18, so though? I'm just being so. facetious. Okay. Because I think kids would enjoy that. No, I was just saying, like, in terms of where I can leave her alone. Right. Oh, well. You'd be there, too. No. I'm not, oh. I, you're done. Go to college. Daddy's <laughs> done. Just kidding, Violet. Daddy loves you. Uh, a couple of emails since we came back after a very long hiatus. First from our right. good friend in the UK, Peter Gray. Uh, he says, you're back and about time too. Oh, how we've missed you. The world has gone completely fucking crazy since your last episode, so it's nice to go back to the 80s and a more simpler time. Love Trey's roundabout fan films. Had me in stitches. You're welcome. <laughs> My art bleeds for you. My <laughs> fans. I wish you both well and hopefully look forward to a trip back every Friday. Cheers, guys. Good to have you back. Regards to you all. UK Pete. Awesome. Good to hear from you, Pete. Glad you're not dead and you're still listening. There you go. And hopefully maybe one day you can watch and see what we look like if you haven't already. Check it out. And what then, time is it in London? Five hours, six hours ahead of us? 5.30 a.m. Okay, Pete, you're off the hook. <laughs> I'll forgive you this time. <laughs> but next time, we're going to flood your phone with messages. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, our good friend, Ben, the Tasmanian Devil, Wyatt, yep. says, Look who's back. Hey, guys, I was so happy to finally hear you guys return to podcasting. I don't know when the next episode will be recorded, so I'll just say I hope you had a great Halloween, Thanksgiving, Merry uh, Christmas, and Happy uh, New Year's. Right, uh, which which further explains what he his comment he made earlier. Yeah. Again, for anybody new, I don't when I, we have emails, I don't read them until we're on the air. Uh, Natural reaction. So in case there's something offensive or anything, I can immediately look <laughs> always fall back on that. Look red in the face and uh. Like, oh, anyway, did uh, that Ah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I guess anyway, seeing as you finally returned, I made the effort to watch City of the Living Dead free on YouTube. It's not my kind of film, but I was definitely impressed and freaked out a bit with the gore effects, most notably the girl who vomited her insides out in the car and, of course, the drill scene. One question, what the fuck happened in the end? I'd like to ask you that same thing, my friend, because I don't know either. The kid started running out of the cemetery towards the adult, then there was a scream and cut the credits. I don't get what happened to warrant the scream. Well, that's yeah. all for me. I don't know either, Ben. <laughs> I just assumed something's wrong with the kid. Or they're so traumatized that seeing a child run towards them, they're still like, ah! Or they're single parents and they listen to this podcast and thought, uh, no, no, we don't want a kid. <laughs> we don't want a kid. Look, there's gonna, we're not going to be able to podcast though often if there's a kid. But uh, that's the truth. And then he says, P.S. Mission Impossible 2 fucking rules. Go to hell, Ben. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding, my friend. Because uh, we talked about that on a way long ago episode about how I don't like Mission Impossible 2. That's funny. But nevertheless, <laughs> always good to hear from our friends, both in the UK and Tasmania, since we're big everywhere except their home country, the United States. Yeah, that's all so, right. But uh, no, actually, a big I, place. I said, no, Joshua Carr, our good that's friend true. locally here. So, and then uh, we got some friends, we have some other people that chime in from time to time. But of course, UK Pete and Ben are always, always on the horn, always looking out for us, keep making sure I got an email or two to read. So, Next time, next episode, we'll be finally finishing what was promised last year, uh, 11 months ago, I should say, for Halloween Horror when we were doing 80 zombie films with the piece de resistance of Romero, Romero's original Dead trilogy before it came a uh, Survival Diary Land Sextilogy. Mm. I guess Septilogy. No, Sept will be seven. It's a lot of movies. Yes. That's what we're So, uh, George Romero's own personal favorite film of his at that time. Day of the Dead, 
Uh, I don't think I th- actually. I believe it might be on Prime. Uh, last I checked, I watched. We watched it because I have it on Blu-ray. Uh, so I'm not sure what streaming service it's on, if any, right now. But uh, you know, if you don't, if you can't get around to watching it, check the highlights on YouTube. I'm sure somebody has all the gore scenes from it. Because, uh, like I said, it's famous for the most, probably one of the most famous zombie kills in of all time. In fact, you probably go to Watch Mojo, free plug for that. Those fucking douches. Uh, <laughs> just kidding, Watch Mojo. I love your horror list, even though some of them are way the fuck off. I think they're completely random. They gotta be. I think they just pick like written by an intern or something. They're, they're picked by somebody that I think has an agenda or something. I don't know. I'm not saying an agenda. That's the wrong way to put it. But like, oh, it's they a horror a movie. Uh, Google uh, top ten horror movies of 1980. Number one, Poltergeist. Like. Yeah, yeah. He could be, but we're also talking about the decade of the slasher and all sorts of other stuff to say that that's the best horror movie of the decade. Yeah. There's an argument for it, don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying that Watch Mojo, when it comes to their list of things that I'm pretty sure they're not quote-unquote researching in terms of how how we re- I research, and we, because Jesse does stuff too, uh, we research uh, stuff for this podcast in terms of stuff like that. Only YouTube's all the one I did. I know. <laughs> <laughs> let's cover let's do that for the, the podcast listeners. Uh, but anyway, you know, so uh, I forgot where I was going with that. I don't, my whole train completely just. I'm the producer, left. so I handle a lot of other things. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we know our shit. This is good shit. Yeah. Uh, so, why did I even bring up, why the fuck did I bring up Watch Mojo again? <laughs> I don't even remember. For the top ten list? Uh, something else. I said we do we research something better than them. Forget Watch Mojo. Yeah, just fuck them. Watch, our, them. watch our channel. Unsubscribe to them. <laughs> yeah, watch us. We know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, there you go. In a good way. But anyway, next week, uh, excuse me, next episode will be Romero's Day of the Dead. But also, I neglected to mention when we were talking about Child's Play, and I did allude to it earlier, songs that I sing to my daughter to put her to sleep. All right. There's a uh, there's a nice little tune that plays at the end of Child's Play that uh, the Buddy Dolls sing. Mm-hmm. And that's currently Violet's favorite little song to go down to sleep to. So we'll leave you with that. The rhythmic sounds of Mark Hamill as Chucky. And we are your buddies too. And we'll see you next episode, everybody. Cowabunga! You're my best friend. I love you more than... you go Best friends.
Till the day that I die.